0: Welcome back, everyone, to Jubilee Street, a music podcast. M- maybe not so much a music podcast today. We're back after a little fall break. Mm-hmm. And today, myself, Ian McCurtis, him, Jake Curtis, with hey the intern dog, Buffy, the HR dog, rough, we will rough. all be sitting around and discussing the new Andrew Dominic film, Blonde, as well as the Nick Cave and Warren Ellis score.
1: There was a podcast named Jubilee Street, a music podcast hosted by Jake What the fuck did I just watch? Ian, uh, how have you been? It's been about three weeks or f- almost a month since we recorded last. We were on a little bit of a break there.
0: I've been pretty good, just floating around the netherworld, floating through the astral plane, mm-hmm. trying to find my way back home.
1: Listening to a lot to of sunrise. My way back to,
0: yeah, trying to find my way back to a microphone and a recording setup, and mm. here I am.
1: Here we are. Yeah, I think you briefly turned into a cartoon during that period, didn't you? You went 2D?
0: Yeah, I turned into a rock. I turned 2D. I turned stop motion. Turned into turned a butt plug. Into, uh, I turned into. I turned a butt plug. I turned into a um, a, 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 a being of light. I, I didn't have a, a corporeal form anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, made it back to where we are now.
1: Wow, we'll we'll have to. That's like a whole other episodes worth of you know catch up. We'll have to do. Well, I, I've
0: optioned a memoir from Penguin Pub- Publishing.
1: Penguin Publishing. That's great. The the dog subsidiary of publishing, right? Mm-hmm. That's that Buffy had like Buffy knew somebody at the publishing house and you know she slid a couple of treats under the table and got you a deal. So uh,
0: yeah so look for that book uh Christmas time twenty twenty three.
1: Christmas time twenty twenty three. Uh so let's let's get right into it. Um, Blonde stars Anna Dearmis, Adrian Brody, Bobby a whole bunch of other big acts. In what I believe to be a completely what I believe to be a completely misleading uh, way of like presenting and uh, following through on what I thought would be a biopic. I was pretty like taken aback by the some of the, the creative choices that I found out were later creative as far as like how they manipulated like Marilyn Monroe's timeline and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I've been excited to talk about it all day because like, I didn't really like it that much, but there were things about it that I really liked. And I also was kind of bummed to have that opinion because I feel like the last movie we talked about besides the Batman was Lawless on this podcast. And I also didn't really like that movie. So what was your initial reaction to it?
0: So I, I knew it was based on the Joyce Carol Oates novel, I did not. But know it that was.
1: Before watching.
0: But it was like misleading marketing because everything about the movie said biopic, and it's very much not a biopic at all. Like, you know, there's probably little to no truth in the movie. I don't know why it's like. Uh, we can get into that later. I, I, there's a lot of confusing things. I thought it was fucking garbage. One of the worst movies I've seen in years. So before we spoil this, I just want to see if we match up on this before one of us says it organically. There was one section of the movie I thought was passable, and I want to see if you agree, too. What was your favorite, like, section before one of us says it?
1: Well, uh, the first third of the movie is the best part of the movie, and the section that I found to be the most passable was the uh, nighttime beach scene with her and the quote-unquote Gemini, Uh, her and her two fictional lovers in that, like, three-way triangle, um, I found that to be very, like, genuine, candid, and sweet. And one of the only, like, cathartic and, like, you know, lighter moments in a movie that was otherwise completely depressing. What about you?
0: Uh, for me, the only part of the movie I liked at all was Adrian Brody.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, he was not enough for, to salvage it. The only salvageable part of the movie was the lead actor's performance. She was incredible. Like I was so captivated by her, and in fact, I liked a lot of the scenes in this movie I don't I wouldn't go so far to say it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but I definitely think it was the worst movie I've seen in a long time that's what I said um, I think we were probably not not on base there uh, yeah, a- any other d- uh, takeaways from there before we get it like and, and for those listening this we should probably put it in the episode title, but um, or we can. Throw something back in the editing process, but it's it's going to be all spoilers from here on out.
0: Yeah, I mean, what is there to what is there to spoil? I mean, I was pretty bummed, man. You got talking fetuses. I was bummed watching this movie. You got <laughs> JFK acting rapey. You got
1: what the fuck was Marilyn
0: that? Moreau just Marilyn Monroe just acting like a complete child, like no agents, like so many. I mean, I, I think this movie is so bad.
1: I I don't understand how, like, what was going on. Like, I don't think that Andrew Dominic thought he was making the movie that he made. And there is, like, there is so much, like, attention to detail in some ways, but in other ways, it's, like, really just completely sloppy and tonally uneven. Like, I watched the Elvis movie this year, just uh, about a month or so ago, and... I don't really. I didn't really like that movie, but in comparison to this, and, it, and the sloppiness that that movie had, it was so much more captivating. And you actually like get a sense of who Elvis was with this. You don't know who the fuck Norma Jean was. You don't know who Marilyn Manson or Marilyn Monroe was.
0: <laughs> you don't know who Marilyn Manson is either. Yeah, they like, you know, briefly show her to be well read. She talks about Dostoevsky. She's like going to acting classes. Like, mm-hmm. she has these interests in like high art. And I would have loved that to be explored more. I would have loved anything to be explored more. Instead, she's reduced to, like, a cartoon character who her her existence is just based on mental illness and wanting to be a mother, which never happens. She has no agency over being an actress. Like, you see no passion towards that. You see no passion towards anything. I, I saw a little bit of, like, press that Andrew Dominic did, and, I mean, he comes off, like, at best problematic and at worst like a misogynist asshole like he said he's not a f- he he said that he's not a fan of Marilyn Monroe like her movies don't do anything for him and he wanted to do this project based on the novel because it reminded him of girlfriends he had and how they would like mythologize their past and like how women build up this like uh legend of their life and like reduce it to these I don't know it it seemed very misogynistic. It seems like this is Andrew Dominic's version of what he thinks a woman's head is like. I don't know
1: i'm i didn't even I didn't know that that press was out there, but i'm I'm kind of like flabbergasted at how I, it's it's hard to think about or to think about some of the things that he subjects this person to, and it's also kind of a waste for an actor who's as good at what she does as. Anna de Armas. like she's so good in Knives Out and she's really good in this but she's the only redeeming part and she's just like they just beat you the fuck out of you with this like um I'm meat I'm meat being delivered I'm she's meat like it's like we already fucking understood that in the first five or ten minutes when her mom's drowning her like she's been reduced to something that can be consumed and killed and mass marketed to the like audiences and men. And I don't know. I I just, I don't know why you choose to make a movie like that in 2022. And it was just like, I feel like Marilyn Monroe was kind of a fun figure, like in her movies and stuff. Like why not focus on that? All we ever see is her like, breaking down and then the guy who voiced Khan Sanufan's phone is just pumping her with barbiturates and I just I didn't fucking, I just didn't understand a lot of it and Haley and I finished the movie last night and we were just like so bummed out that we watched like two episodes of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson because I was just like Nice
0: palate cleanser. I,
1: I was just like let's go to something where like the writing and the acting are actually like on par and like purposeful, and seem like int like he's like there's intent. I'd love to know if there's a backstory here, if he had some kind of dispute with a studio head, or how much Netflix intervened with like the marketing. I'm sure that's what happened because this was not the movie that I expected at all. Now that being said, I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that really, really like this movie, but it's not going to be like a a huge. Deal. I'll be
0: shocked. I'll be shocked if this movie is well reviewed. I i.
1: I don't know. I, I I just think that these kind of movies, they, they find an audience, and I don't think that they're the correct audience, but if I could go so far to say, I don't know if this reference will land with you, but it's going to be a lot like the crowd who likes um, Lars von Trier movies, I feel. Like, his movies are very similar tonally to this, and they're a lot better than this movie was, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I was super disappointed. I, I do think that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, unfortunately, though the music was very beautiful and serviceable, not, I, I, forgive me if I'm transitioning too fast, but it, the music was Yeah, let's was get great. into
0: that later. From, from, what I, from what I've heard, the movie is pretty faithful to the novel, which just begs the question of, like, how bad is the book? I have no desire to ever read it, but why does the book exist? Yeah. So so there's, there, there's two versions of this movie I think could have been good. And I want to see if you thought of either of these things. I think if they wanted to go this, like, torture porn route of just, like, bad thing after bad thing, there's a version of that movie that, like, Darren Aronofsky could have done. Yeah. That would have been great.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea.
0: It reminded me a lot of, like, an Aronofsky film, minus all the redeeming qualities, minus all the depth. These yeah. Marilyn Monroe had no depth in this movie. It was so ham-fisted. But he's good at doing that thing where it's just like beating you over the head with trauma. But in a way that I love. Like, I love a depressing movie. But it has to, like... I didn't care enough about the character to be depressed. Yeah. Well, The other version of this movie that I think could have existed... They did a lot of cool stuff with the cinematography, a lot of surreal imagery that I don't think fit the tone of the movie. But if they wanted to go that route, they could have done this like David Lynch, psychological, you know, Norma Jean versus Marilyn Monroe, the character versus the real person, and really played into the surreal aspect. They didn't really do either. But well, that's those were two movies I think could have existed. That could have been good.
1: That's essentially you pitching Mulholland Drive. Because I could see there being some similarities there with Muhammad Mulholland Drive, but those are both really cool I think, ideas.
0: I think this movie was very. I think this movie was influenced by Mulholland Drive. I think this movie was influenced by Twin Peaks. I think. Have you seen the movie
1: for Twin Peaks?
0: Fire Walk with Me. Yeah. Years ago, but yes. Yeah. I I think even the score like, there's a lot of melodies that call to mind like Laura Palmer's theme and. This this seemed like a, a lot of the weird cinematography choices seemed like Andrew Dominic was just like, I want to be as cool as David Lynch, but you're not.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a filmmaker, so I want to I, I think that I'd, I'd at least like to give him a partial benefit of the doubt that I think he was experimenting and trying things, but. It, it just didn't work. It just didn't work for me. I mean, that's the thing is, you like, to me, Mother is one of my favorite Darren Aronofsky movies. And, like, you fucking feel for Jennifer uh, Lawrence immediately. Like, you, you, she's just such a charismatic character. And the way that she is developed is what makes her so, you know, interesting to watch. And, like... You know, Anna was great, but I just don't. I just I don't know what was lacking for me. Like it's like you can make a movie like that and make it captivating, and there was nothing captivating. I was captivated in some scenes where in the beginning, where she was like acting, and you know that scene with the Casey Affleck uh, cameo. Like I liked that stuff, but once I realized that it was kind of a one-trick pony, I was like, I don't know. I, I I was. I wrote on my letterbox review today. I was just like, "What the fuck did I just watch?"
0: <laughs> yeah, you were you were generous with your score. I thought two out of five, which is better better than I I gave it.
1: Haley Haley I, think, I gave it a one out of five.
0: I gave it a one out of five. Yeah, it just like so the movie starts with her mom having a mental breakdown and like you know abusing her in various ways. And it just like immediately felt so divorced from reality. Like,
1: yeah. Didn't feel real. It was like like, empty.
0: Yeah. It was like if you asked like an 11 year old to write a mother having a nervous breakdown, like, it was so just like on the nose. There was no subtlety. It didn't feel real at all. Like, this isn't how people, psychological issues are like complex and messy. And this was so just like so obvious. And then like, you can tell, like, when she gets older, she's going to have these issues, which she did. And then the whole movie, like, the, the daddy issues, just, like, her searching for a father figure. It, it felt so, like... The, the very first draft of this movie, without any subtlety, without any thought put into it, it was just... These are the major themes of the movie, and then that's all we have. We have nothing else to, to build onto that skeleton.
1: I think if I would describe it, it was empty. There was an empty quality to the movie. And I don't necessarily feel like the intent was for it to feel that way, but it felt that way. And like like you said with the scene with the mom, like it felt so divorced from reality that we weren't quite sure if we were seeing a dream sequence. And then there's other things that happen later, like there's a there's several abortion scenes which are very unclear as to what's happening but you definitely get that shot from the inside of the vagina as the abortion is happening and so you know something's going on but there's still this quality like why do I care about this person like why like they don't even seem like she's clearly been abused and you know manipulated but there's no drive to, like, even when her mom drowns her, it's just like, wow, that's really fucked up. It just feels like they're subjecting us to a series of... It's like that thing in Clockwork Orange where your, like, eyelids are pried open and you're forced to watch all this, you know, imagery on a screen to, like, hypnotize you. And it just felt like... it's Like, like the JFK thing, I think, is the greatest, uh, like, example of it. It's just, like, I really kind of feel like it felt like an Edgelord movie. Like, it felt like a Kanye West song in a movie form. Like, I'm a, I'm a fuck this bitch up and you're going to see me do it and you're going to watch it. And that's, that's how it felt to me the entire time is just like there were these moments of tenderness that I just wish they'd hung on to and everything else was just bile.
0: Yeah, I just, I just don't understand the tone. If the movie seems so focused on seeming like real and gritty as if it was a biopic... Yet, you know, Marilyn Monroe, who knows if that JFK stuff was true, definitely not confirmed. She definitely didn't have that releas- that throuple relationship with uh, Charlie Chaplin's son and the other guy, I can't remember what his name was. Well, that's what... Her childhood, that- her childhood was not, you know, did not happen along those lines. I don't know if, like, so much of it was fiction, then why did it have this tone? I don't know. I, don't know. I just don't understand it.
1: Yeah, it's like... I guess if you're going to go that fiction route, which it, it... just I just don't... Someone... I mean, you can tell with the runtime, too. Someone did not rein in Andrew Dominic. Someone fucking read that script, some producer or agent or friend of his, and they were like, dude, this is brilliant. You go and make this, mate. And... He was just like, yeah, I am going to make it. And it just, I don't know, man. It 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 irks me because I feel like this movie could have been so fucking good. But you're watching it the whole time. I was on my phone the fucking half the time. Like, did this really happen? Did this really happen? And I just feel like the reason you watch a movie like that, like you sh- like he did call it blonde, which I felt like, you know, it's it's not Marilyn Monroe, it's blonde. So it's like, there's a theme being set there, but it's immediately dismissive in tone so that it's like, I don't give a fuck if you understand what's going on. This is my artistic statement to the world. And unfortunately, as someone who was a fan of Andrew Dominic's movies before this, I lost a lot of faith in him as a filmmaker because his other movies I've seen have been really good. And this just felt like someone else was like, directing him, or he wasn't... He was just, like, phoning it in. It is its is truly bizarre. I don't see movies like this very often. I feel like movies are pretty good these days. Like, you kind of have to, like, make yourself watch a bad movie. And I think Mm -hmm. that I went into this, you know, pretty blind. I didn't know much about it. I knew I liked him. I knew Nick Cave and Warren Ellis were attached for music. And I just... I continue to just come back to like, why was this even made? This just feels like it's like, gonna go straight to the Walmart DVD bin.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see like, if this movie gains a reputation and what it will be. Because I can't tell if it's like, just a bad movie or if it's like, a problematic statement about like, women having no power, like, Marilyn Monroe is just powerless in the whole movie and like so, I, it's it's hard to believe a person like that even exists, you know? Yes. There is She has no desires, like no like she doesn't feel like a person at all.
1: Yeah, it's it's upsetting because again the performance is really good, but it feels hollow because I think the script and the directing were not there and they were just like
0: and, and if 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 the intent is to show how like hollywood and and abusive parents could prey on a person and make them a hollow uh shell of a person dude this wasn't the way to do it dude because there she's have the been shell of the person the whole movie
1: hollywood needs no help making more movies about how hollywood manipulates that's true. actors that's true a good point so if you're going to make a movie with a statement like that you have to do it in a way that's New, like there's because there's no new way to do it. You just have to find a way to repackage it. This movie reminded I brought up Lars von Trier. There's a movie of his that I enjoyed, but it had a similar. I think it's going to be received similarly. Blonde is a much worse movie. The House that Jack Built, which is the Lars von Trier movie, is actually really good, and Matt Dillon plays the lead character. He plays a serial killer, and it's the movie is made up of of a And this is spoilers for anyone. You know, go watch the house that Jack built and then skip ahead until you know you go watch that. Come back, but in that movie, there's a series of like four or five sequences Uma Thurman's in it, um, where women are continually doing dumb things and being led into Matt Dillon's creepy serial killer hands to do fucked up shit. There are some. There's some great cinematography in the movie. The ending is one of the coolest endings in a movie I've seen but the messaging that Lars von Trier put out during that movie was similar to what you, what Andrew Dominic's sentiment was in interviews and in the movie which is that you know women are objects for me to manipulate on screen and that's what this felt like and it felt gratuitous and it felt unnecessary and it feels like if this movie is going to be remembered it's only going to be remembered for the fact that they misused this uh, amazing actor as well as the other actors in the movie who I think were underutilized. I would love to see Adrian Brody be, be in an Arthur Miller biopic. That would be That's, incredible. Dude, like, that is such a good one casting. One, um, I kept thinking, I was like, wow, he looks so good as, as Arthur Miller.
0: My number one, yeah, way to fix this movie, just make it an Arthur Miller movie with Adrian Brody. Also, I thought he was captivating. He well, had so much the way he carried himself, there was like it was the only character in the movie that felt like it had depth. And that might have just been Adrian Brody. I
1: I still think I liked Anna better in the movie, but Adrian was great. And then also there's Bobby Canavel is in this movie as Joe DiMaggio. And I don't fucking care if you like this guy, if you don't know who this guy is, anything I've ever seen him in. He is energetic, emphatic. Now, I don't know how Joe DiMaggio was. Maybe he was a really sullen, quiet Italian type. But he was so lifeless in the role. This guy I've seen in movies that are about food trucks. He played a chef in the movie Chef, and he's great in that movie for what he has to do. In this, it feels like you're just making him into a fucking wife beater. Like, why? It's who cares, you know? So, and somehow you try to they try to have you empathize with him as a slut shamer. It's it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. And it's unfortunate if this is Andrew Dominic's experience with women in real life because this is not going to look good for him.
0: Yeah, I didn't get why You know, I guess if the end goal was to show her falling for these men who she sees as, like, a father figure who ultimately end up being abusive. Why not make the man charming so you can at least see how she would fall for him? Like, Joe DiMaggio is never, like... You never, like, really understand from her perspective what she sees in him. Like, at least make him charming and be like, oh, I get why she entered into this.
1: She's over here looking for the meaning of life. Joe DiMaggio is like, you know, I really know how to hit a baseball. Like, he... He just the way he looks at her, like even when she's like, "Yeah, sure." When he proposes to her, he's he has no clue. Like if somebody said, "Yeah, sure," if I propose to them, I'd be like, "Meh, I'm good. It's over." You know, like if you don't really, really, really want to marry me, there's no reason to get married. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: yeah, I I get that. Like, there's no. You know, way. I think a lot of this is supposed to signif like symbolize the male gaze, but it's. 2022 we all know what that is you got to give me something more it can't just be all these men see her as an object like i get that like she does the character the person the real life person marilyn monroe deserves more than that
1: yeah i guess that's probably my last point before uh, or the last point that i wanted to bring up is like this movie is damaging to the memory of marilyn monroe um And
0: let me ask you this. Are you like, obviously, Marilyn Monroe's before our time, but I feel like even the fascination with Marilyn Monroe is before our time. I feel like that kind of died in like the 80s. Do you did you have like I don't really.
1: Well, that's another thing, too, is that
0: I feel totally ambivalent towards Marilyn Monroe. Do you have any like knowledge of her? Are you a fan?
1: I don't care. I really don't. I I, mean, I don't even say that in like a dismissive way, like. I was excited for the movie. Yeah, I have no
0: feelings either way. I I just don't care.
1: Because, and that's what again was what was upsetting about the experience is that I was excited for the movie because I thought I would learn about her. The only thing I learned Mm. is that she drank herself to death with barbiturates and alcohol, over like over choosing to get to get these abortions due to the men around her, pressuring her and fucking with her and like, I I, I, yeah, I, I you know you know.
0: We always said you know at the same time. I think that one of the parts of the story I think could have been really powerful. Like one of the interesting parts was when she's, I don't, is there a therapist she's talking to or a psychiatrist and she's asking if her mom's mental problems are genetic and then you see her decide to get the abortion because she doesn't want to pass on the possible mental problems to her child. That's fascinating. That's something real people struggle with. That that could have been like a big uh, focal point in the movie, and it's just it's so falls flat.
1: Yeah, it does fall flat. It's completely written off as unimportant. It's just to make it a spectacle for how she for how what a huge decision
0: for someone to make in their life.
1: And then it's reduced to this like, you know, B, like B roll from Requiem for a Dream you know where she like runs out of this magical studio B hallway from the abortion clinic and you know i don't know it it's it sucks it sucks honestly it sucks because i don't say that a lot about movies that i watch that i didn't like that it sucks that they were bad but it just feels to me like this seems like an especially big fuck up because it could have been awesome. It could have been informative. It could have been funny and cute and captivating. And it's the kind of shit that makes me want to make my own shit because I'm like, I don't want to make it like this. And I know Andrew Dominic doesn't want to make stuff like this either. I don't know why he made this. I'm, I, am, I love movies. I, and I love them almost as much as I love music, probably more at this point. And it sucks to see a shitty movie, especially one with so many people attached to it that are some of the most talented actors in the world. You know, Adrian Brody, give me a fucking break. Like, Secession alone. He's just amazing in whatever he's in.
0: I I feel like Adrian Brody doesn't act very much these days, so it's disappointing that this performance is wasted on that. I feel like Anna Darmis is, is... She's already a star but she's poised to like become a mega mega star and but this seemed like a big yes. miss. Netflix hasn't had a big movie in a while so it's a miss on that part. I also want to talk about uh this was like marketed as you know kind of a big deal. Netflix's first uh what is the rating NC17
1: movie? Yeah.
0: And I don't think that was that rating really warranted. There's like
1: it's just the, the blowjob scene with JFK. You I see, like, a glimpse it.
0: of a vagina and maybe a glimpse of a penis. I don't even know. All you see really is boobs, and, like, you can show that on Netflix. I don't know where that rating was really coming from.
1: I don't mean to be <clears> that <throat> guy right now, but if, if, I, if, if I can indulge myself here, the indulge boobs only. in the movie were, were incredible. Like, incredible set of boobs. Like... If I can, I, I, I maybe that's playing too much into the the whole like thing we're shitting on here, but I mean,
0: no, that's something it, I, I do want to talk nice. about. <clears throat> she's she's beautiful, and I feel like um, this is tricky territory because neither of us are women. But I feel like what this movie says about sexuality is kind of like fucked up because it almost reduces her sexuality to just like pleasing men and like
1: transactional
0: yeah like she's you know Marilyn Monroe is like you know one of the biggest sex symbols in American history and her sexuality is always portrayed as a negative in this movie and I I feel like Mm -hmm. I mean again I don't know nothing about the real person but I would think that probably wasn't so and I I feel like it's kind of gross to just like give her no agency over sexuality. She has no agency over anything, so it shouldn't surprise anyone. But
1: That's why I liked the threesome fictional stuff because she was actually enjoying herself. There's yeah, very was, like, few the times more. in the movie where she enjoys herself. Like, even when she's with Adrian Brody, which I feel like had to have been a good relationship at times and there's the scene where they're like running around and she looks really beautiful in her wedding dress, but like, I don't know. There are times of the movie that felt like they let Quagmire from Family Guy step in and direct, you know? It's just, dude. It like, just reminds me of that scene from Family Guy where a woman walks by and Quagmire slides his credit card between her butt cheeks and she slaps him. And I'm just like, that's how it, f- it just felt like that. It just felt like at times where they were just like, let's get this shot of her boobs. Let's have this like sex interaction happen. But I mean, that is sort of the, the tone they set from the beginning with that Mr. Z character who rapes her in his office when she gets signed to the studio. You know, like sex is that, like she, she doesn't really, at least in the fictional universe they've created here, she doesn't actually get to experience that sexual side of herself. It's completely diminished by what the men around her want from her.
0: Everything's just so telegraphed. Like she, she, the rape scene happens at the beginning, so you know the whole rest of the movie. There's gonna be issues with sex. Uh, there's mm-hmm. the dad stuff. Of course, she calls everyone she dates daddy. There's the mental that breakdown was the thing with the back mom in the day too, though. There's the, the the thing with the mom. Of course, she's gonna have a breakdown later in the movie that mirrors that exactly. There's the obsession with mirrors and seeing Norma Jean versus Marilyn Monroe. Of course, when she dies, she sees the other version of herself like next to her body. Like everything's so telegraphed. Like, paint-by-numbers, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yep. I don't know. So, so... A lot <laughs> of
1: people are going to be pissed off about that JFK thing, I'll tell you that much. A lot of people are going to be pissed about that.
0: Yeah, and again, if that's in the book, then, like, I get why they put it in there, but... I don't know. Maybe my issues are more with the book than the movie-making, but then I don't know why Andrew Dominic wanted to make this movie so bad. I, I... I have, I have way more questions than I have answers. If we want to talk about the music a little bit, you brought up that scene with Adrian Brody when they, they get together and they're, uh, you know, having their first couple dates and there's kind of the montage type thing. And you have that instrumental version of Bright Horses.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's my, what that was. That sounded so familiar.
0: That was my favorite musical part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go, uh, the soundtrack's on like streaming servers and stuff now, and it's all original pieces. But then there is a instrumental version of Bright Horses. This movie yeah, I was has been. Haley,
1: I was like, this sounds really familiar, but I didn't. I, again, I went in, I was just going in pretty like, fucking blind for the review today. So I'm pull, I'm pulling it up while you're talking. The
0: movie has been worked on for years. I'm guessing Nick Cave probably and Warren probably made the soundtrack around the time they were making Steam. It sounds like those sessions, you know.
1: Yep, exactly. It sounds like, um, I told Haley, I was like, this whole soundtrack was probably made, for the most part, on a $150 synthesizer.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, thought, I, 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 I thought the soundtrack went well with the weird cinematography because you had the, like, you know, Ghostine is all about those, like, sort of haunting, menacing synths with beautiful heavenly leads over them, and it creates a cool dichotomy which matched the cinematography but it didn't neither of those things matched the actual movie so I don't know I I think the soundtrack's great but I don't know if it's great for this movie
1: it's great on its own it's not great for the movie the movie was too sad and anytime I hear those tones I immediately feel like I feel that depressing feeling that you get from Ghostine and uh, (laughs) Skeleton Tree you know like you like it when it's Nick Cave and Warren doing it, but with the imagery that it's associated with in the movie, it just comes off so fucking flat and unnecessarily melodramatic.
0: To me, I guess the way it hit me was that there's like a depth to... That, like, go, instrumentally, I think Ghosteen is a near-perfect album. So using those tones really, you know, it's something I'm, I'm primed to like. So whenever the music would hit in the movie, it made my brain think it was the movie was deeper than it actually was like you know like the music makes you think the the music seems like it's it's for a movie that has more to say it just doesn't doesn't match up
1: yeah i i I'm, I'm 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 wondering if Nick and Warren are reevaluating in real time, like, if they want to continue working with this guy. Like, what is it about him that is it? it Might be the music video background because I know he's done a lot of music video, but it's it just kind of seems like
0: he's made multiple music videos for them, he's made all those documentaries. I mean, and those are great. Like,
1: I'm not saying drop him immediately, I'm being kind of if I worked with you.
0: and you worked, and you made a shitty move, movie. I would still want to work with you, you know. But it, it does kind of, um, you know. I feel like Nick and Warren are on their way to becoming the next Trent Reznor is in terms of movie soundtracks, and this is kind of a, a step back, I think.
1: Well, it's a it's a pretty big week for them release wise because you were telling me that they did the soundtrack for the Dahmer TV show that came out on Netflix recently, which is. Uh, much better as far as like a, you know, scripted thing. You know, it's a TV show, it's a miniseries, but mm-hmm. it's yeah, and-, it's, and the soundtracks is incredibly serviceable and uh, and it's honestly really good for the for the way that the show is. They, I would love to see them do a horror movie soundtrack. It'd be so really cool to see them do that for a movie.
0: From what I've heard of the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer thing, I haven't watched the show, but. Courtney's been watching it, and I've heard in the background the music. It sounds to me like that was probably like Carnage era, like last year. It sounds more like that album. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it seems like it fits really well, too. I mean, they, they might uh, be Netflix's go-to. You know, that's the big Netflix show right now and the big Netflix movie right now. So Nick and Warren might uh, be in good favor with the Netflix top people.
1: Well, I think Dahmer's gonna do a lot better in the long run than Blonde, um, but even that show is getting review bombed pretty badly. Like, I think it has like a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a five or ten percent on IMDb. Hmm. But um, I think it's I think it's a it's a good show. It's incredibly captivating, that's for sure.
0: <clears throat> I think that's sort of uh, just where Ryan Murphy is right now. He he makes entertaining trash.
1: Yeah, this isn't as tr- this isn't like like I watched. I tried to watch American Crime Story. That was really bad, and this is doesn't feel trashy. It feels exploitative, but it doesn't feel like how I felt. Story always felt.
0: I was uh, Pose was a, a show I was a big fan of, and then the writing got so bad, and yeah, I remember that you seems talking to be that. that seems to be my history. of Ryan Murphy is. I, I really like his shows, and then they immediately. Take a huge nosedive. I, I was he's just doing too much. It's a little bit of a t- That that is true. He t- like he has so many shows at any given time. Imagine I don't even if know. if he like, worked
1: on a movie, one movie for three years, or one TV show for three years, and that's all he worked on, it'd be so much better. But he's like a he's an empire now. Everybody wants a slice of that cake, you know. Mm-hmm. You were saying,
0: yeah. Who knows in what capacity, like how much he's even involved in these shows? Because there's so many things going on at once. I, I was talking to Courtney about Evan Peters. Isn't it weird how, like, it seemed like he was primed to be, like, the next Leo or the next, like, was Brad Pitt. just about that. And he kind of just, like, I feel like he decided to just do smaller projects and, and be Ryan Murphy's guy and, and do TV. I wonder why. <laughs> I think he's phenomenal. Even I when think, he's in bad I Ryan think, Murphy shows, I think he's great.
1: I think he's an incredible actor, and he is horrifying as Dahmer he is absolutely terrifying and it doesn't feel like it's him and I hope that he is okay from this performance because it is gut-wrenching watching the show like I, I I I learned a lot about Dahmer back in my like true crime podcast days but I haven't I had forgotten a lot of it and the way that they I mean it's it's very exploitative I but there's no moment where you're rooting for this character. You're just completely in awe in the worst way possible of what he's doing. And it's all because Evan Peters just inhabits the role. It's a little uncanny. uncanny. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Heath Ledger as the joker. Like it's almost unbelievable that there are that, that, that he is pulling off what he's pulling off.
0: Yeah, he has this way of, of playing people like that. In Pose, he plays a, uh, like a Wall Street guy who, you know, has a fetish for like transgender people, and he carries a lot of shame and he gets violent about it, like he doesn't want really want to know. And the, the depth of character he brings to this shitty person is like,, yeah. astounding to watch. He's really good at playing bad people.
1: Yeah, he. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. I, 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 The only other movie I can think of him from is uh, that I've seen is Kick-Ass. He's in Kick-Ass one and maybe two.
0: And he was Quicksilver in the X-Men movies.
1: I don't know if I've ever seen the movies that he was in. I only saw him show up in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Uh, WandaVision.
0: And then, yeah, I feel like you know he's been in a ton of TV stuff. Yeah, he's just been I, doing yeah, I don't all know. that
1: Ryan Murphy shit.
0: Yeah, he's in all those shows um yeah I don't I don't have uh I think I shit on blonde enough to my to my content I it, it's a shame that you know Nick and Warren probably spent three months of their life on this or whatever because I, I really like the soundtrack I listened to it today while I was doing some homework and it's a good soundtrack like I don't know I wish it was for a better movie.
1: Oh, you know what? Evan Peters was in. He was in that Mayor of Easttown show. That show was fucking awesome. hmm Yeah, he played a detective. I forgot about that. See, that's the thing about him is he just fucking blends in everywhere. He's just such a good actor. Um, He's I, got a lot of range. I also have, uh, he was in The Office, too. I always forget about him being in The Office.
0: Yeah, he got spanked yeah. by Michael Scott. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing is like he is, he's very close to being like, cause he's hot as fuck. He's ripped his shit in this show. And he's very close. This is just an Evan Peters podcast now. He's, he's, he would be so close to being like a Ryan Gosling type, but he is so scrawny in a way that I, I no one would ever buy him as an action star. But I, I, I think he would be so good as a lead in an Edgar Wright movie. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, yeah. I just watched that Edgar Wright joint from last year. Yeah. that w- That would be, I would like to see that.
1: Well, um, that's my tangent on Evan Peters and Dahmer, but I think it's close enough and adjacent to what we're talking about. Um, I don't have anything else to add. Blonde was, whatever this means to the people that listen to us, it was a disappointment. I would not recommend watching it, but if you want to form your own opinion, I applaud you. Go check it out. See what you think. You may love it. You may hate it more than us. Let us know what you think. Uh, Ian, you want me to close it up or you want to add anything?
0: I I I don't know. I was thinking like, is it gonna be one of those movies in ten years that like we're all like it was actually good? No, absolutely. But not. usually those usually those movies are like campy movies, like the Joel Schumacher Batman. And this movie it probably would have been better if it was campy, but it it isn't the reactions uh, to it in real
1: time are way too visceral movies like that are like movies like under the silver lake where it's like i think i liked this but i'm not quite mm -hmm. sure but i think it was really cool this didn't have any moments like that it had two or three redeeming qualities not enough to salvage it as like a cult classic later
0: yeah um i'm interested to see what andrew dominic does next like this movie's probably been done for a long time he did the recent Nick Cave documentary, which has also been out for a while. So I'm assuming he's already working on his next project. So hopefully it's a it's a comeback story.
1: You know, um, what's like the worst candy?
0: The worst candy for me? Obviously, it's for me. You asked me. Uh, party like Smarties.
1: Yeah. So I give this movie one packet of Smarties. No, nope, not even any soda.
0: I, I thought you were going to go the um, on cinema route of being like, this movie's absolute trash. I give it a five out of five.
1: <laughs> I guess I will say that we'd love to hear from you all. We like to hear what you have to think about our takes on things. Um, we don't do movies very often. So honestly, <laughs> as much as we dislike this movie, I had a lot of fun talking about it. I'm sure Ian did, too. It was
0: more fun talking to you about it than watching it. That, that got me through the movie.
1: And I, I, I had a lot of fun. So if you want to write in, we've got a mail letter box thing, uh, JubileeStreetPod at gmail.com. We've got an Instagram page uh, at JubileeStreetPod. In our link on our Instagram, you can find all of the places where we stream, Apple Music, Spotify. If you go to Spotify, follow us, uh, like the episodes, um, We've got a couple of things uploaded on YouTube. Check that out. Um, Otherwise, I will end my portion of the episode by saying my favorite line from the new Dahmer show where Jeff is riding in the car with his dad and he says, ooh, dad, look, roadkill. And those pretty much sum up my thoughts on Blonde.
0: Likewise. Peace and love.
1: Love and peace.